Go with me, if you would, to John, the third chapter. John chapter 3. We welcome everyone who's with us for the uh, first time this morning. And I know we have a lot of people with us by the Internet. And uh, we're always glad that we're joined together by this wonderful medium. And we are exalting the Lord this morning. And we are going to talk about what it means to uh, what Christmas means, Christmas, and what uh, it means to be a Christian, what it's about. And this scripture that so many know and have uh, quoted so many times, I want us to look at it again because there's new light, there's new revelation if we'll see it and hear it by faith. John chapter 3, are you there this morning? Now, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, our ushers have extra Bibles. They're standing in the aisle now. And raise your hand, use one of ours, or if you're not that familiar with the Scripture, uh, look over at your neighbor that has one and read on with them. Let, these, uh, let your eyes rest on these words on the page and remind yourself these are not the words of men, but the words of the Lord. You ready to receive something this morning? All right, let's release our faith. We're going to pray. We're going to release our faith and believe that the Lord speaks to us. Right? Is he here? He's here. Does he talk to us through his word? By his spirit so you can hear not just from a man, but you can hear from the Lord this morning. Father, we're all here together this morning giving praise and thanks to you for what you've done for us in giving us Jesus giving us the babe in the manger, giving us the one who hung on the cross, giving us the King of Kings soon to come again, giving us complete salvation of the spirit, the soul, the mind, the body. And we ask you to help us to hear right and to see right and to think right today. Give us all the ability to receive from you revelation of truth that makes us free. We ask you for answers to questions this morning. We ask you for direction and help this morning. And we purpose by your grace to not be hearers only, but we will, by your help, be doers of what you show us and say to us. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed because you're so faithful to watch over your word and perform it and accomplish it in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. In John, the third chapter, John 3 and verse 16, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. I know some years ago. The the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but inside me, he said to me, uh, love, excuse me, giving is the chief expression of love. The greatest expression of love is giving. Now, when I heard that, I I wasn't thinking about this verse initially. I, I, I began to think, is that right? Am I hearing right? The greatest expression of love 
is giving. And as I was pondering that thought, these words came up to me real strong. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave. That he gave. Didn't say God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven. I love you. No, that's fine to tell people that you love them. But that's not the greatest expression of love. What is the greatest expression of love? Giving. He didn't say that God so loved the world that he said, I just have these feelings. I just, ah, I just feel for you. No, feelings are not the greatest expression of love. And you can, you can tell so many people are confused about this because people, they fall in love and out of love. And now today I love you and tomorrow I don't. And it's all based on feelings. If I got the feeling, wonderful. If I don't, then I don't love you. Love is not a feeling. God is love. Can you give to somebody when you don't feel like even being around them? Huh? Yeah, you can. The greatest expression of love is... Giving. Read this scripture with me now. What? God so loved the world that what? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. His only begotten son. Why would he say it like that? His only begotten son. Well, we see in this phrase the preciousness of the gift. God could have given us a planet. He could have given us a sun. He could have given us a solar system, the mountains, the oceans, all the gold and diamonds and platinum that's in them. He could have given us all the technology. It, nothing would have compared with His only begotten Son. The greater the love, the greater the gift. And God has exemplified and demonstrated His degree of love for us in giving us the greatest gift that He had. Jesus. Oh, can you say amen? amen? Turn on over, if you would, to uh, 2 Corinthians. Well, I'm going to save that one just a minute. Go on over to 1 John. Oh, it's good. Maybe we'll build you up to it just a little bit more. 1 John. The fourth chapter. Said out loud while you're turning there, God so loved loved that He gave. gave. Would you agree then that the greatest expression of love is giving? Now when you talk about giving, so many times people's mind goes off on a tangent and they immediately think money. Giving money. Giving stuff. And it would include that. But... Didn't say God so loved the world that he gave them some money. 
Right? It said he gave his only begotten son. Why? Because the scripture says that we were not redeemed. We weren't bought with corruptible things such as silver and gold from our vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers. But with the precious blood of the Lamb. Money couldn't fix what was wrong with us. You know, there's some, there's some times it's, it's good to have money. Money can take care of some things, but not the biggest things. Right? Money can't make you happy. There's some folk that think, think it can, but it can't. There's a fellow one time I was, he's talking about, he was a car buff. And he always wanted this, uh, uh, was a 911, uh, Turbo, the, the most expensive Porsche. And he got one, and he had had it for two or three months. And somebody was asking, they said, man, what's the greatest thing? I think it was a, you know, $100,000 car. He said, what's the greatest thing about getting that car? He said, the day before I got it. <laughs> he said, what? He said, yeah, you know. Because after he got it, and he drove it for a few months, he realized... <laughs> It's a car. <laughs> it's got wheels and tires and they wear out and the paint can oxidize and you can bend it and scratch it just like you can a $5,000 car. And it's a car. And it won't turn you into somebody else and it won't make you happy forever. Nor with the greatest house, nor with the greatest piece of jewelry. Hmm? Nor with the greatest promotion in your business. And, and some of the wealthiest people are some of the most miserable people. Because at least poor people can live in the illusion that if I had it, I'd be happy. <laughs> but rich people get it and got it and still are not happy and they realize... There's no amount of money or stuff that can satisfy me and make me whole and make me complete. And that's why silver and gold couldn't redeem us, couldn't buy us. And that's why God so loved the world that he gave the one who could buy us, who could redeem us. Who could satisfy us deep in our spirit. Who could give us the sense of value and worth and belonging that nothing else can. And he did. And we are redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. So how great is his love for us? How great is his gift to us? And Jesus came and gave of himself. He gave his spirit. He gave his soul. He gave his body. He gave every drop of his blood. And he did it willingly. Nobody made him. And that's not the end. The Bible says even today, he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's still giving to us. I said he's still giving to us. He's always there for us. The Bible said we have a mediator Hallelujah, between God and man. We have one 
who is the propitiation and then paid the price for our sins. Any time that we've missed it and failed, we can go to Him and He represents us before the, the throne of the Almighty. He stands up for us. He pleads our case. Oh, can you say amen? How great is His love to us? Well, how great is His gift to us? The greatness of His gift shows the greatness of His love. In 1 John 4, are you there? 1 John 4. Everybody happy this morning? Oh, we ought to be happy. Ought to be happy. Ought not be a shred of depression in this place. Right? After what God's done for us. And this is just the beginning. Did you know? For us, this is as bad as it gets. For us. <laughs> now for those who reject the Lord, this is as good as it gets. Down here. But no, for us, this is as bad as it gets. Because after this, is glory, is eternity. How many know that you know that you've been born again and your name is in the Lamb's book of life? Then did you know that they are, they are, they're involved in construction on your mansion right now? They're working on it. And God knows what each one of us likes and He custom builds our places. Everything that you ever wanted and stuff you didn't even think of. He's working on it right now. Did I make that up or is that in the Bible? Didn't he say, I'm going to prepare a place for you? That's what he's doing right now. Soon and very soon, we're out of here. But until then, we have a job to do. And a big part of that job is to let everybody know. Let everybody we can find out how much God loves them. Now, this is, this is something the devil does not want people to know. The devil, and it's sad that the devil's most effective partner has been the religious church. Say, what, Brother Keith? Yeah, you heard me. Because the religious, and did you know there's a lot of preachers that's not even saved? Ministers and priests, there are whole churches full of people that are not even born again. And religious people are the meanest people on the planet. Some of. I mean, they'll stab you, they'll kick you. They'll hurt you, they'll beat you, and give you three scriptures why it's okay. (laughs) And what has been preached in so many, from so many pulpits and so many groups is condemnation. Guilt. Everybody say guilt. guilt. Guilt has been preached. Oh, you sorry rascals. You ought to do this. You ought to do that. 
Try, try to make you feel guilty so that you'll repent. Guilty so that you know. Guilty about not going to church. Guilty about not giving money. Guilty about not being more unselfish. Guilty, guilty, guilty. None of this is God. God is not in condemnation. He is not in ministering guilt. And he, the Bible didn't say that we are to go into all the world and condemn people. Did he? Some people thought so. Go into all the world and tell them what sorry rascals they are and they're going to hell. People have thought that preaching the gospel was telling people, you're sorry sinner, you're going to hell if you don't change. You're going to hell. You're all going to hell. All going to hell. Well, that's not good news. That's bad news. Right? And the gospel literally means good news. Well, what's good news? What's good news? The good news is God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son so that we could believe, so that we could be born again, so we could be washed from all our sins. Hallelujah. That's good news. I said, that's the good news is God is not against you. He's not mad at you. He's not telling you that you ought to be ashamed and feel, you know, feel guilty and be condemned. That's not him. That's men's ideas. That's men playing church. That's men being religious. And the thing is, when people come across like that, they're not living what they're saying. They're full of guilt and condemnation themselves because of their failed lifestyle. And they get up and preach what they're full of. Guilt and condemnation. Oh, but in Christ, there is true freedom. There is a reality of salvation. And no matter what you've done, God will forgive you. I said, He'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll wash you. That's the good news. I said, that's the good news. God is not against you. He's for you. If He'd have wanted us to be lost and condemned, all He'd had to do is... Nothing. Just let us go. And we'd all doomed ourselves. But he loved us so much. He loved the whole world so much that what? He gave everything that was necessary to buy us and to cleanse us and to make it possible for us to live free and to come without shame boldly into His presence, clean, without guilt, without embarrassment, without intimidation, without the sense of inferiority. Or it has not been preached what the blood does for you. I've had people say, well, Brother Keith, you don't know what I've done. You just, I hear all that, but you don't know what a mean, ugly, vindictive, cruel person I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the base, ungodly things I have done and been a part of. I looked at him and said, yeah, and you don't know the power of the blood. There is no sin. There is no degradation. There is no dirt. There is no cruelty that is too bad and too hard for the blood of the Lamb to cleanse. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he said silver and gold couldn't fix it. 
There was no amount of money. There was nothing on the planet that was enough to take care of this. But there was one thing. One thing in the universe, one thing in time and eternity, and it was the precious, spotless, clean, pure blood of the Lamb of God. And He gave it. He gave it. He gave it all. So now the question is not, can a person be forgiven? It's not, can that sin be forgiven? Can that person be cleansed? Can you get past? It's not that. There is no more sin problem. It is just a matter of will you receive it? Will you receive it? Some will and some won't. In 1 John, are you here? 1 John 4. Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. How can you tell a real Christian? Hmm? By how many scriptures they quote? Huh? By how they wear their hair or how they wear their clothes? No. No. By how much they go to church? No. Nope. Nope. What did Jesus say? By this will all men know that you are my disciples. You're my followers. By what? By how you love each other. He said that you love each other the way I loved you. Right? How did he love us? He loved us so much that he, that he gave. Well, how would people know that you're one of his? Because you act like him. Right? How did he act? How would people know that you love them? There are basically two kinds of people in the world. Most everybody, well, everybody can be put in one of these two groups. Godly ungodly. Another way of saying that is God-like, ungod-like, right? Now, you know, everything produces after its own kind. And if God is your father, you ought to act like your father, right? If the devil is your father, you're going to act like him. There are people who talk about, well, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. We're all brothers. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches there's two families in the earth. Right? Those that are born again and have faith in God and those who the, who Jesus called some of the most religious people of his day. He said, your, your father is the devil. And this is how you can tell the difference. It's, it's not hard. It's not confusing. It's quite easy. Everybody say godly, godly. Ungodly. ungodly. What does that mean? Godlike, ungodlike. And you'll see that the godly people are givers. And the ungodly people are takers. Are you with me? And you can tell whether, you know, and even though there's some people that's born again, that still let their flesh dominate them. And if somebody loves you, they want to give to you. 
Now we're not just talking about money. We're talking about all. They want to give you their friendship. They want to give you their loyalty. They'll give you their time. Right? They'll give you the use of their abilities. They'll give you their stuff. They're givers. Other people want something from you. People who want something from you are not loving you. They're looking for something. They want something. And it's sad that the church has uh, has misrepresented the Lord by going to people, even people who are not even born again, and always asking for something. Yeah. Oh, could you give the church a break? Oh, we're Christians. Could you cut us a deal? Could you give us a break? Could you give us a preacher discount? Could you give us a church discount? Could you? I'm a brother. I'm a brother. You got to do me right. Wanting something. Asking for something, always wanting something, asking for something. Didn't, God's not that way. He so loved that He, that He gave. And when you love, you're in, you're desiring to give. When you love somebody, you want to give them something. You want them to be happy. You want to help their dream come to pass. Right? You want to sow something to them. Oh, can you say amen? Now let's keep reading this. Verse 8, he that loves not, knows not God, for God is love. If you're not operating in love, then you don't know God. Now tell me again, how would you know about love? What's the greatest expression of love? Giving. Giving. He said, In this was manifested the love of God toward us. The love of God was manifested, made known, shown, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, here's the thing. In the world, people talk about love, but they use the word love so loosely and so carelessly. You know, they they love you, but they also love pizza. (laughs) Right? And they love their car, and they love this show, and they love that, and they love that. And, And that kind of love is here today and gone tomorrow. Now I love you, now I don't. Sorry, but the thrill is gone. And people act like they're helpless pawns. Well, I just fell in love. I couldn't help it. It was bigger than the both of us. And then three months later, we fell out of love. I'm sorry, but I just don't love you anymore. I can't help it. Ignorance. I said ignorance. Operating like now, people who don't know God and not saved, will you expect that out of them? But people who are born again should be kept, be acquainted with the love of God. And God loved us while we were his enemies. People say, well, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. You love me and I'll love you. No, no, no. The love of God will love you when you hate me. The love of God will give to you though you despise me. You try to hurt me and take from me, but the love of God will give to you. Oh, did you hear this? 
Hold your place here. Go to Romans. Go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Is this okay this morning? Actually, I told you wrong. Romans 5 is where I want you right now. Romans 5. Tell me again. God so loved. You so loved the world that He He gave. What if you love people? You give. Are you a godly person or an ungodly person? Are you a God-like person or ungod? Not like God. How would we know? Are you a giver? Are you a taker? Are you always thinking about how to sow something to somebody? Give something? Are you always thinking about what you can get out of somebody? What they, what can they do for me? Did you know that so much of people's unhappiness, their depression, their misery, stems from their continual meditation about what people have not done for them? So much of people's unhappiness, if you analyze it, it's because of what somebody didn't do for me. Hmm? Let me give you some of the best advice you'll ever get in church or anywhere else. Are you ready? All right, you, you do this, you practice this, it will protect you from untold misery and problems. Are you ready? Okay, here it is. Never, ever, never, ever, ever, for any reason, at any time, under any circumstances, anywhere, never, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you hear that? There is no justifiable reason. There is never a a situation where you, where you're owed to feel sorry for yourself, where you deserve or you ought to. Never is it okay for the child of God. Because we are never left at a place where we can't overcome and can't have victory because the Lord always causes us to triumph. So to feel sorry for yourself is to ignore His Word, ignore His help, ignore your victory in Christ. And so much of it comes back to this. They didn't help me. They weren't there for me. I called. And nobody came. And people make it worse by crowding around them and letting them tell them that stuff for an hour and pat them on the back and go, bless your darling heart. It's pitiful. I know it. Sorry, rascals. They should have helped you. They should have been there. I know it. They should have been there for me. Now, when you all get through with all that crying, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? Faithless. Joyless. Peaceless. Never, ever, ever, for any reason, at any time, under any circumstances, never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Hmm? Did you hear me now? Just don't do it. 
They owed me this. They should. Well, see, we know that right now you are acting like an ungodly person. Because your total focus is you want something from somebody. What they should do for you. And if you're focused on that, you are not focused on giving. You can't be in both modes at the same time. Right? I purposed in my heart. Some years ago I saw this and I purposed it. I made up my mind that I will not look to anybody to do anything for me. I I refuse to let myself expect somebody or think that somebody ought to do something. I refuse to. If it comes across my mind, I cast it down. I'm expecting all kind of things from God. And He can use whomever, whoever He chooses. But I refuse to get my eyes on any individuals and think, well, they ought to do this, or they ought to do that, or I'm expecting... No, no. And that way, when people do something, then you're expecting nothing... And you're grateful for everything. And man, it keeps you happy. You just stay happy all the time. And you're not disappointed. And you're not depressed. Can you say amen? Amen. And if you stay in the giving mode all the time, then you're not sitting around thinking about what somebody didn't do for you. You're thinking about, i got to believe for this. And i got to get this so I can sow this. And I'm standing for this and I can do this. Look at that. i got something in my closet that they can use. i got something in my cabinet. Yeah, they could use it. I can sow that. And you get caught up in that. Sowing, 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 sowing. What happens after sowing? Reaping. Reaping. God's going to do you dealing... Sowing to other people, God's going to deal with people to sow to you. Amen. That's the way it works. Yeah. What if you're sitting around all the time crying about what somebody didn't do for you, and you're not sowing, what's happening? Nothing. Not only are you doing without, but you got no harvest coming. Right. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people are. Sad, miserable, dejected, always thinking about Listen, friend, do not let yourself dwell for five seconds about what somebody didn't do for you. Amen. Don't you do it. Yeah, but it was my birthday. <laughs> you big old whiny baby. Grow up. Be, be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Yeah, but they forgot this. And nobody did. And, uh, you're a baby. Grow up. So. Huh? Do stuff for them on your birthday. How about that? Huh? Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Did the scripture say, did Jesus say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Is that true? Is it true? Then should you be more interested in it? Oh, thank God for receiving. We can receive. Oh, but we ought to be even more pumped and hyped about being able to give. Being able to sow. And if you're thinking about that all the time, that that shows that you are like God because He is the greatest giver of all and He operates in giving all the time. He so loved that He gave and He so loves that He gives. Can you say amen? Amen. Romans 5, are you there? Romans 5, He said verse... uh, Five, hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. Say it out loud. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I'm a giver. 
like my father. He said, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Somebody says, yeah, but I, I'm, I've been a sorry rascal. Well, you qualify. <laughs> right? You don't know how mean I've been, Brother Keith. Well, you qualify. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends His love toward us. He proved it. He showed it. He demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, hallelujah. He died for us. When did He love us? While we were still sinners. He loved us before we loved Him. He loved us when we weren't doing anything for Him. We were not giving Him the warm and fuzzy feelings when we're living like heathen and running from Him and acting like the devil. And even still, He he loved us and gave to us before we loved Him back. Well, then how should we treat each other? Can you love somebody who's doing nothing for you? Can you love somebody who's mean to you? Oh, friend, when you get a hold of this, it puts you, instead of being a victim, it puts you in a position of power. The Bible said, love never fails. It is the strongest thing you can do from one person to another, and there, the devil has no defense against it. People say, people say I hate you. I, you know, I can't stand you. You say, well, I, I love you. Ain't nothing to do about it. They go, no, you can't. Already did. No, you can't love me because I hate you and you can't love me. Yeah, I'm loving you right on. Ain't a thing you can do about it. Oh, can you see this? There is no defense against the love of God. Nobody can stop it. And what did the scripture say? It never fails. It always produces results. Now, you may not see them the first day or two, a week or two, but you just keep loving people. Praying for them, wanting them to do good, wanting them to come out. They curse you, you love them. Is that the Christian way? Is that the way of the Christ? Just love them, just love them right on. They're mean to you, you're nice to them. They try to take from you, you give to them. They're taker, you're a giver. But what, what's the what's the, the good thing about sowing? You can't sow and sow and sow and that's the end of it. God ha- has a responsibility to you in His Word to cause it to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, 30, 60, 100 fold. Right? So what if you're loving people all the time? You're sowing love. Is it going to come back to you? What if you're being a friend when they're not a friend to you? You're loyal to them when they're mean to you. You give to them when they try to take from you. What are you doing? You're sowing. 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 Is it going to come back to you? It's going to come back to you. God's going to deal with people to help you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Go back to 1 John 4 now. When did God love us? When did He give to us? While we were still sinners, you go on to read the passage, while we were yet his enemies, you see it in here too, in 1 John 4. 
Can you love people that are mean to you? Yeah, you can. Can you love people who are indifferent to you? They don't care whether you live or die. Huh? Can you love people that don't have any time for you? If you're a baby, if you're fleshly, if you're ungodly, no. You're like, I reached out to them and they didn't reach back. They hurt me. I was kind to them and I got nothing in return. (laughs) Nothing. There's got to be, you know, 50-50. That's not a scripture. 50-50. What is 50-50? Well, love is a 50-50 proposition. You know, there's got to be a lot of give and take. No scripture. No scripture. Ignorant human thinking. God didn't say, all right, now I'm going to give some to you. I'm going to have to see something back. And then maybe we'll give you some more. Hmm? And if he'd have been waiting on us. (laughs) Right? Jesus still wouldn't have come. But while we were yet sinners, while we were at enmity against God, while we were his enemies, the scripture said, even then. God loved us and sent Jesus for us and paid the whole, a whole price. When people, mankind couldn't care less, wouldn't give him the time of day, he still just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. And he's reaping. I said he, not everybody loves him, but how about me and you in here today? Huh? And there's millions like us all over the planet. God is reaping from his seed he sown. Glory to God. First John 4. First John 4. Can you take some more? He said, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Tell me another way of saying that. That's right. Let us give to one another. Not just money. Sometimes it's a lot easier to give money than it is time. Right? Thought, prayer, friendship, loyalty. He said, for love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, what's the response? We ought also to love one another. What's the greatest expression of love? Giving. Giving. How are we going to love each other? Same way God loves us. He he so loved us that He gave. He gave. He gave Jesus. And so, because He loved us this way, we love other people when they don't love us. Because that's how God has loved us. Right? We give to people when they don't have time of day for us. And we just keep giving. And we just smile all the time. If people curse curse us, we just smile because we know there's no defense against what we're doing. You can't stop this. 
Oh, are y'all seeing this or not? You said it'll excite you inside. You can't stop this. Yeah, but so-and-so hadn't talked to me in 30 years. So, love them. Love them. Just lay across your bed at night and love them. Pray about them. Love them. Yeah, but it makes me want to cry. Quit crying. That's unbelief. Love them. Love them. Do something for them. Yeah, but they send it back and they said they hate me. Well, do it again. Do it again. Love them. Yeah, but they slapped me. Well, love them. Love them. Love them. They cussed me. Well, bless them. Now, see, it takes a much stronger man to bless somebody when they slap you than to slap them back. It takes a much stronger woman. Because flesh says, you slap me, I'm going to slap you. Harder. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Double. That's flesh, that's devilish. But the love of God, the love of God, the love of God will enable you to be stronger and to rise above. Oh, can you say amen? And you say, no, I don't care what you do to me, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to sow to you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, but I sold them. I got them a fresh pie and I sent it to them. And they throwed it in the trash can. Well, you still sowed it. Whether they eat it or whether they throw it, you still sowed it. And you got a harvest coming. You got a harvest. Cause you sow, just because they didn't receive it doesn't mean you didn't sow it. Can you say amen? amen? They talk ugly about you. You talk nice about them. They try to hurt you. You try to help them. You're giving. You're giving. Does it have to work? It cannot fail. It never fails. You're sowing good seed. And you're going to have a good harvest in due season. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Whew, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I think we can close with this. 2 Corinthians. The 8th and ninth chapters of 2 Corinthians deals with an offering. And you know, some people have gotten... Uh, Huffy about offerings and they, you know, they get aggravated if it comes offering time. And I'll just tell you right now, we're getting ready to receive an offering. (laughs) And I want it to be a big one. Not a dime of it's going in my pocket. But uh, the reason why people are opposed to giving is because they're still in the taking mode. Right? I want something mode. Give to me mode. And you're not just, you're not one way at church and a different way somewhere else. You are who you are and what you are all the time. Right? And if you're not liberal at church, you're not liberal at home. You're just not liberal. Are you a taker? Are you a giver? Are you godly? Are you ungodly? In this passage, you see something that's really powerful. He starts off in the eighth chapter. He said, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, 2 Corinthians 8, 1, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their liberality. 
Can you be liberal even if you're very poor financially? He said these people were in deep poverty. And yet they abounded in liberality. Did you know God doesn't look at amounts? He looks at percentages. And he looks at your heart. Somebody say percentage? Yeah. You remember one day Jesus was looking at the offerings and the rich men came and they gave a lot. But the poor widow came and gave two mites, which was like a penny or less. And he stopped. He was watching the offerings. He was watching what people put in. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? And he stops and teaches about it. You remember that? And he said, this woman has put in more than everybody else. Well, she didn't do it amount-wise, but she did do it percentage-wise because she gave 100%. You can't give any more than that, right? And when you think about that, it's just like God. That puts us all on the same level before him. doesn't make any difference how much money you've got. If you, put, if you set your heart, you could be the biggest giver in the church, even though you were materially the poorest person in the church. Well, three people got that. The rest of the folk are like, hmm? Don't get uptight. We're not going to ask you to do a thing right now. Some people go, oh, he's working up for the offering. We're going to receive an offering. But we're not asking you to do a thing. You'll know, you'll know more about it in just a minute. But can you see that these people were liberal, even in a tight situation in their own life? Now, keep reading. He said in verse uh, 11 and 12, actually verse 12, If there be first a willing mind, it's accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not. Now skip down to the ninth chapter. All this flows together, but we won't take the time to read it all. He which sows sparingly, verse 6, reaps sparingly. He who sows bountifully, reaps bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. What kind? Cheerful. How about a mad giver? Somebody aggravated because it's offering time. Somebody aggravated because the preacher said something about giving. (laughs) Well, I don't want to give this morning. Well, don't. Simple. Don't. Just smile, be happy, keep your money. But you could miss it. Verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. How many of this is happening in your life right now? God is making grace abound so that you always have plenty in every area and you have plenty to give. Well, see, a big part of that is because you're a sower. You're a giver. You have a right to stand on that. Now, skip down here in verse 12. He describes they, they were putting together an offering for the poor saints uh, at Jerusalem. And they had been through some things there. You know, you read back in the book of Acts and it talked about a time when there was a drought, a natural disaster, if you will, a drought. And they put together a big offering and sent it to the saints that were there affected by that. And he says in this, 
He says this offering, verse 12, this administration of your service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. He said this this offering we're sending to these folks, it's going to meet their needs. But even more than that, it's going to cause their hearts to fill up with thanksgiving toward God. And that's even bigger than the offering. Right? You know, if you've never allowed God to use you to bless somebody else and help somebody else, then you're missing something. You're missing a big part of your life of the satisfaction that comes up in you when you see somebody genuinely thanking God for meeting their need through you. Oh, that's big stuff. Isn't it? He said, verse 13, whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution to them and to all men. See, they're seeing, they're not just hearing you preach. Oh, oh did you see this now? This not, this not just your profession of your Christianity. It is a demonstration of true Christianity because God so loved that He gave and you're so loving them that you're giving. Can you say amen? And He said it, 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 it expresses it. It demonstrates it. It shows it. Verse 14. Notice what else happens by it. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Man, there's more to an offering than money. Can you see this? The people's needs were met. Their hearts filled up with gratitude so that they're thanking God. They see the reality of Christianity, not just hearing something taught. And did you see what else? They're praying for you. They're praying for the people that gave to them. Did you know that's part of God's plan? He would have us that we're always giving to each other in different areas. And it gives us a place in each other's heart. And then when that other person needs something or you need something, he'll touch their heart to pray for you. And they will pray for you because they love you because you were there for them when they needed it. Oh, did you see this? This is God's plan. This is supposed to be happening all over the body. He said, their hearts long after you, and they pray for you. And they ain't just a little bless them, please, Lord, prayer. They're serious about it. They love you, and they pray for you. Notice the last one. This comes right back to where we started. The last verse here, what does it say? Thanks be to God for what? For His unspeakable. What does that mean? Can't express it. One translation says, too wonderful for words. You'd have to talk in tongues, then you couldn't tell it all. His unspeakable what? 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 Gift. 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 Hallelujah. 